All right, let's do it. All right, hello and welcome to episode two of Cheat Code Radio. I am your host, Nicholas Downey, the associate editor-in-chief of LordsOfGaming.net, and joining me as always... And I'm Ivan Seiler, a.k.a. Anchorman V2 from the Multiverse Show, and we're Cheat Code Radio. We're going to have a pretty jam-packed show. It's been a busy week. Oh, yeah. Busy, busy, busy. So let's, uh, let's, not, uh, let's not waste time here. Let's get into it. But first off, we have the results to our poll from last week. We actually got a pretty good response. Uh, so the question was... Do you agree with Ubisoft's new alleged direction for Assassin's Creed? What would you uh, say? What would make you get on board? Uh, in last place, the modern day Assassin's Creed GTA Five multiplayer. They got only ten percent of the vote, <laughs> so nope, no one cares about that apparently. Uh, but in a close second, we got forty percent of the vote. Uh, original Assassin's Creed like fifteen hour, fifteen twenty hour arcs, like little storylines, with OG stealth. No. Apparently that uh, did not win, and with a winner with fifty percent of the vote, uh, yearly Assassin's Creed RPG like expansions. So basically, the idea is that if, if every year they would drop a Valhalla sized update, people would be okay with that. So I can respect either of the top two options. <laughs> and I was going for that modern day stuff. If they did that, I'd be happy. But... Well, I was going to say, if people listen to your full explanation of what you wanted from the modern day stuff instead of basing it off a poll on Twitter, I think it'd be a different story. But, you know, numbers are numbers. Um, sure, sure. All right. Uh, so we got things to cover. Uh, we have our questions for this week. Uh, we're going to run through some of these. Uh, the first one comes from a ninny mouse. Uh, the day of reckoning has come. For the first time since 2016, Xbox has won the NPD in dollar sales, mind you, and ponies are running scared. Is this the start of a turnaround for Xbox? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> look, see, I think, I, like, okay. So MPD wise, you know, dollar. It's important to remember dollar sales value versus units sold. Switch is still technically the quote unquote winner of MPD if you go by units, wherever the case may be. Um, is Xbox turning it around? Yes, but I think the big quotations that need to be thrown around this is Xbox is turning the boat around in terms of their own success. No, they are not going to continuously beat PlayStation and MPD in the months coming forward. Well, I think, I think there is one clear distinction that I do like that they brought up in this for, from Ninny mouse, um, that they won only in dollar sales. Uh, mm. still to this day, nobody has beat the switch. Nope. In terms of units sold, not even one where PlayStation one MPDs has that happened. Yep. So, uh, that, that's always going to kind of put a dampener on things. So I, I can't really say. Uh, I know there was a rumor that floated around that PlayStation has already hit 10 million units. Um, I have not seen anybody credible doing that. Now, that may just be because of my Twitter feed, but I, I have not seen anybody credible actually saying I think they're going based off of VG charts, which is iffy. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know that. I don't doubt that they're close, but I don't know if they've officially hit 10 million. I think we would have heard something uh, a little more definitive than that. So 
Yeah. But yeah, like for Xbox, I don't think that it's a, I think it's more of a sign that E3 worked, mm-hmm. that E3 really did get people's attention. And I thought we all saw it here based on anecdotal evidence that you had a lot of PlayStation guys, a lot of people on the fence, they watched E3 and they were sold on the vision and they bought Xboxes. So I'm not really surprised by that. So then winning MPD, hey, just confirms what we already kind of knew. Yeah. And uh, people put so much stock in MPD. Like I remember back in like 2015, 2013, like to like 2014 through 2016, 2017, when I was like competitive a lot, people put a lot of stock into MPD. And I know from like writing MPD for so long and covering it for so long, people really stopped caring about MPD when Nintendo started winning it month after month after month. Like I remember MPD day used to be like the big topic podcast to podcast. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as Nintendo won like three or four in a row, nobody cared about MPD anymore. Um, Yeah. And it's not a surprise anymore. We know what's going to happen. Yeah. And like, I was surprised that, you know, Xbox one in dollar sales and everything else. I think I'm just more generally happy with the overall arc that we're seeing is, you know, even with supply shortages and all the other issues we've seen is all these consoles can continue to sell incredibly well. Like there's, there's no flop out the gate. Uh, this time around or anything like that. I think unlike the Xbox one generation where they sold a lot up front because people are excited off the Xbox 360 and then they, they, they trended downwards because of the failures of the Xbox one. I think we're going to only see things go up for Xbox, but I think people need to temper the expectation that they're going to go up and above what PlayStation's doing. I think that that's where you got to dial back the hyperbole a little bit. Yeah. I think it's really only important, at least in a couple key markets. Uh, I think largely in South America, just make sure you're maintaining some dominance there and winning back North America and starting to take a foothold back in Europe. But yeah, um, well, the Europe one in Japan or Europe and Asia are kind of the interchangeable. It's more like tertiary goals. Getting North America back should be their number one priority and maintaining South America should be close second. Yeah. So I I think if, if I were in charge of Xbox and Microsoft, which I'm not, so. Yeah. I, I, I'm I definitely... for sale, baby. I'm ready to roll. Yeah. <laughs> Buy me. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I, I honestly think, I just think it's an overarching sign that's good. And, you know, the battle for Europe and Japan is going to be a long one that they're going to have to fight back for mindshare with. And uh, that'll be interesting to see how that will turn out. And this generation is going to be an exciting one. And uh, wait and see, you know, who knows what could happen with July MPD. It could be crazy. Who knows? Hey, I will say it will mean something if Xbox wins July if that would mean more because that would mean that it's more than just e3 mm-hmm. that's pushed the needle so we'll see uh i'm july would mean more than june in this case at least in terms of trying to strike a trend i, I and also too like if if you know if they go back and forth between well between switch xbox and playstation if they alternate or whatever the case may be i'm very interested to see what the holiday numbers are going to look like because that's going to come down to who has stock i think because come holiday season everyone's going to want these things now yep that's true 
All right, uh, next question we got. Uh, with the recent Ghost of Tsushima trailer for its DLC, what is your favorite piece of DLC coming from Dekels? Hmm. You know what's worse is that, you know, my friend sent this in to us, and I've still thought about this. I still cannot nail down one specific DLC where it was like, this is the definitive one that's so easy because... Just in Fallout games alone, there's like six. Um, well, I, I actually got one. I don't think it's one you've played. I don't think it is. Was it you who was talking to who hasn't played it? Uh, for me, I will say the definitive DLC to me is Burial at Sea from Bioshock Infinite. Yeah, no, I actually haven't played that. You have to play that. So it it's one of those DLCs that not only ties in so okay my whole thing with bioshock infinite was that it had an ending and it was more of a methodical ending mm-hmm. and it was okay logical conclusion reached but you're you have a lot of emotional baggage left over just because of the journey when you get there burial at sea is that emotional ending not only to the game but the franchise mm. and that is what sold it to me and i was so happy with that um like i it was it's probably the only dlc where i like actually shed a tear for something mm-hmm. most of the time i find dlcs in terms of story are kind of like i mean it's optional the fact that it's dlc kind of confirms that it's optional mm-hmm. but this one i feel like is actually necessary for that game absolutely so when you get a chance replay that game and then redo and then just do burial at sea well see it's, see, really it's hilarious because i replayed through the bioshock games because my wife started playing them and then i got spurned into playing them because of watching her play them and i finished mm-hmm. bioshock infinite and i was like oh i need to do that dlc and then i played mass effect and then got sidetracked so i'm gonna go back and uh do the burial at sea dlc because you know, you and Sam have been on you my know. back about this for like five years at this point. Like you, you, I guarantee you, once you complete it, you're gonna be like, "How did I not do this sooner?" Yeah, you're gonna feel terrible. Yeah, you're gonna feel awful. So I, <laughs> I'm bad, it, and it I should really feel good. bad. Um, yeah. So for me, I'm gonna my favorite piece of DLC, or at least the one that's freshest in my mind, of like that last DLC that really hit for me was Nuka world for fallout four because I, it was so stupid. I loved it. It was, it just bought into the whole like Disneyland nonsense of just, you know, parks and everything else. The Nuka branding was great. The addition of like, if you were an evil character and you went into Nuka world, all the Raider opportunities were amazing. It's like, Oh, I can go back through the map and just become a raider. This is amazing. It added more of a, a more, I don't want to say diversity to it, but like it made being an evil character fun because why I didn't like about Fallout 4 is after New Vegas, it didn't have that feeling like where when you were a bad guy in New Vegas, it was fun. Like there was arcs that mm-hmm. felt fun when you were a bad guy. Fallout 4, I could be a bad guy and the same people would be like, we like you. And I'm like, no stop that fuck off (laughs) there's a fun satisfaction when preston garvey hates you yeah (laughs) yes yes lord cognito hate me (laughs) 
but yeah, I like I like. Yes, I, I'm drinking tonight because we're gonna have some fun. Um, but yeah, no, for me, Nuka World was one of my favorite most recent um, DLCs um, in terms of fun and everything else. And before that was, uh, I think it was Dead Money. I think that's what it's called in Fallout New Vegas. Because that one was just sheer frustration of trying to figure out what to do in that DLC. It was just like, they just plunk you in and they're like, oh, here's poisonous gas. And I'm like, what? Wait, no, I'm, no, I don't like this. And like, it was just oddball. Um, I know, I know Sam's somewhere out there listening to this and going, no one said Witcher 3 DLC. (laughs) No, I will. I will say because I still haven't beat Blood and Wine. I, I'm probably gonna restart that DLC once the update comes out, for at least for next gen. Um, but I will say Hearts of Stone is excellent. Mm. Like Hearts of Stone is great DLC. Like they pull they pull it right off of the actual beginning of the game. Like the first person you talk to is like the main villain of mm. the DLC. <laughs> it's like just some throwaway character from the very beginning of the game is the main is the main villain of the dlc and it's like wow this is great i like this <clears throat> and it just it fits really well within that universe i really enjoyed it so right on yeah I've, I, I, I do give it I, I i started the witcher 3 again so we'll see how that goes but oh yeah fun <laughs> i think i i did a second playthrough and i picked up for my save right after the the bloody baron mm-hmm. i picked up my save right after that and um, I got a different ending, and I liked it. I thought it was a good ending. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in my first time playthrough, I got, like, Siri died. Mm. And I was like, eh, okay. But I was like, well, let's see what I can do to make, like, make her stay alive. And I, I liked my ending. I thought it was good. Why not? It, it was, it's probably, I would say it's probably the definitive ending, but that's just me. So, awesome. anyway... Let's see. Uh, next question, because we got so much stuff to cover. All right. Uh, question number three. The Coalition is working on a new, smaller IP for Xbox, which means they are shifting to smaller focused games. Does that mean Gear 6 will be a smaller game too? Brought to you by Unlit Earl. All right. So... Just because a team does a small project doesn't mean their other projects are going to get smaller. That That's not necessarily how that works. Um, considering the scope of Gears games is only getting bigger. And I think they've kind of proven that's the direction they want to go. Um, I don't see that happening. Like, I don't see a world where Gears 6 is going to be smaller than Gears 5. Um, and as far as, like, uh, the coalition working on a new small, smaller project. I don't know why people are so surprised about this. This has been kind of hinted at for, you know, a couple of months at least now. And, you know, I've heard some rumblings and stuff that they're, you know, they're working on something that they're really excited about doing and that it's outside of the gears universe. And I, myself personally, I'm just interested to see what the coalition can do outside of gears. I know everyone sits there and goes, well, it's the coalition. It's supposed to be a gears studio. I it's the same thing with three, four, three. I want to see them do something besides halo. I want to see the coalition do something besides, um, gears of war because like, look at Shanghai heist. I think it was called 
whether the game they were working on before they got bought by Microsoft. There's a lot of talent and creativity in that studio. And we've seen what they're kind of planning to do with Unreal Engine 5. I'd love to see something new, even if it's small from them. So, I mean, it, it's something I know that I've been talking about when I used to be on Tick Podcasts. We used to talk about it all the time. Like, we wanted Microsoft Studios to branch out and work on other IPs mm-hmm. for, for two main reasons. One, we wanted them to be able to have some creative freedom and kind of flex a little bit where it's like, Hey, we're, we were working on halo for a while. We kind of want to do something that's not halo, but also gives you a chance to experiment and try new things. And you can bring those new things into existing IPs. If it plays out well, um, as an example, you saw sunset overdrive come out from Insomniac. They put that on Xbox. Um, they learned a lot, at least in terms of the grinding mechanics, which now you see in Ratchet and Clank, which now you also see inside of um, Spider-Man. Like even to the point where like some of the animations are straight ripped out of Sunset Overdrive. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really uh, if you you don't know want to talk about it's kind of like that that slouched web slinging thing where like his shoulders are kind of put together and he has one arm up mm-hmm. and he's just kind of like dangling there. It's literally the same mechanic as whatever you're grinding down with like a crowbar it sounds like it looks exactly the same towards the animation uh so it's it's not something to be surprised about but they got to try something different and experiment and find things that work and then bring that to their new projects yeah so that that is a beneficial thing to do now the good point is that with microsoft now because they have so many studios people could just go back and forth Mm-hmm. If they want to bring new things to do franchises, they have so many studios who are experts in their fields to do that with. Mm-hmm. That's not a problem for them at all. But I just, I find that an interesting touch, specifically. Yeah. No, like I, it's it's interesting to see like Microsoft branch out in terms of what they're doing, and you can never really predict what these smaller teams are doing. Like look at Obsidian, for example. Like how many different games Obsidian's working on when you consider that you know they were Kickstartering games three years ago, right? So obviously Microsoft puts money where the talent is, and the coalition's been helping with Halo Infinite. They've been doing Gears. They've been doing a bunch of other stuff. So obviously they're a premier talented studio. So another project it just makes sense and i hope it's something cool because as you stated like i think insomniac games is a good example i think an even easier bridge to cross that people would be easier to agree with is a perfect example would be naughty dog like you know they did uncharted and they were doing uncharted and then they took a break and they did the last of us and, you know, they learned a lot from The Last of Us and applied a lot of that to Uncharted 4. And Uncharted 4, mechanically, was one of the smoothest Naughty Dog games that they've made, combat-wise, up until The Last of Us Part 2. So, you know, and I think, and uh, without using too much hyperbole around it, I think The Last of Us now outshines Uncharted as a franchise. So that was a spin up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, i'm not gonna comment on that <laughs> uh, what i thought we were doing continue, spicy sir i thought we were being spicy tonight um 
but yeah no and that's the thing it's like that was a side well i wouldn't say it's a side project the whole studio worked on it but it was a different direction from what they were doing and i think it's important to explore those avenues so you get your the last of us is yes you're going to get your occasional dreams and things like that in the process of being creatively outside the box thinking but you know i'm excited for something that isn't gears from the coalition honestly you know what game i wish they would do but i think it's kind of too late to do what's that that shanghai game that they showed considering we're gonna have to wait till like 2025 for payday 3 well also because they're doing contraband remember from yeah. avalanche yeah. kind of the same vibe i'm like eh. but yeah. like i but back whenever like, i remember whatever they got coalition and they used to be called black tusk because i remember i was paying close attention to who they were hiring from mm. they hired a bunch of stealth people like they hire people from like they fired so they hire people from like need for speed uh they hire people from call of duty and they hire people from splinter cell specifically and i was like okay this is interesting i want to see what kind of game that you make based off of this like you're getting like the so the cream of the crop for these different franchises and i just found that odd that they never really did anything with two of those franchises like they didn't really go anywhere with the stealth side of things they didn't really go anywhere with the car mechanics mm -hmm. so i think it's a shame that they got uh shoehorned into gears but i think they've proven themselves enough that microsoft's like hey go do what you want to do i think that's important so yeah, absolutely i i, I want to see what they got to do All right, um, next up, question. This one comes from our good friend, Mr. Inferno. With the recent buzz about Psychonauts 2, local Xbox bigwig, Jez Corden, has stated it may be game of the year contender. Do you think that they may have a bit too much, that they, they have too much focus? I understand they may not be as good as a, platform, like, good as a platformer as Ratchet and Clank, but does that matter? Um, I mean, I'll start on this, I guess. I think these are two different games, and this is one of those situations specifically where, hey, look, these are games in similar types of genres that are both are pretty long and have a history uh, in terms of their franchises, and they're both coming out the same year. PlayStation already launched their platformer. Now Xbox is launching their platformer, so they're going to make comparisons. Um... I personally don't see where the comparison is. I I don't really. No, no. like so. And see, this is the thing. I love the original Psychonauts, and I love Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. The thing is, is there if you played both, they're incomparable in terms of their content and just what they're trying to do. Like, you can't compare a Double Fine game to an Insomniac game. Because Double Fine has a very unique twist to their games. And at the at the basis of sounding generic is they kind of remind me of Tim Burton in terms of how... I, I, I don't know a lot of films, so just bear with me through this comparison. No, no, I, I see where you're going with this. Yeah. It, it, it's this outside-the-box, outside humor that's kind of dark and it's kind of... I'm not going to say tasteless. But it kind of goes there, and you're like, oh, wow, did they? Oh, okay. 
Like, the best part about Brutal Legends as a Double Fine game is the fact that, you know, it's Jack Black saying off-the-cuff stuff, and you're like, wow, okay, I never, okay. It's, and it's a great blend of gameplay. I think Double Fine games are in a class of their own, and I don't mean, like, Double Fine outclasses Insomniac. I mean, like, you just can't compare Double Fine games to anyone else's games, because they're incredibly unique. Yes, it's a platformer, but the content and story and what they're presenting in that game is stuff you're not going to find in another platformer. What you're saying is kind of like, all right, yeah, Insomniac may be, like, valedictorian, top 1% of their class, but uh, it's, what is it, Double Fine's in the art school. <laughs> Yeah, like, so, yeah, like, yeah. There's like, a whole different section. Yeah, like, it, it's just, it's different. Like, how they approach games is just different, and how they approach their storytelling is different. <laughs> like, I, I'm really happy to hear that, you know, the previews of, of the game were, you know, incredibly favorable. Like, I'm going to hit the brakes on saying game of the year with all the games left to come out this year. Um you know, platformers winning game of the year or a ton of game of the year uh, awards outside of Mario just doesn't happen, unfortunately. But I have no doubt this. Very often. It, it, I will say that I think the game is going to be incredible from what I've heard and seen, and I'm very much looking forward to playing it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of a similar boat. Like, Psychonauts 2 looks like fun. I'm going to play it. I mean, it's on Game Pass, so why not? <laughs> um but yeah, i tried playing the first one i gotta go back to it but a lot of it uh stems from that old school version of like somebody in the voice line said go here and now you're not sure where you're supposed to go mm -hmm. situation is like oh, oh where am i going now what mm -hmm. all right so i'm, I'm kind of on that boat right now but i i'm i'm interested at least so um i think we got Oh, we got one more question. And then we got some breaking news stuff. All right. So this comes from Tracy. What do you think of the recent controversy surrounding Kotaku's headlines? Are you a fan of these blunt callouts? Uh, Nick? I, oh, so I've got to go first on this one? All right. Oh, yeah, you got to go first on this one. All right. So here's the thing. I cannot sit there and pretend like using language like, you know, the F word or anything else is above or below me because anyone who knows me knows that I swear every second word. So I'm not going to pretend like, you know, Kotaku saying this game looks fucking terrible is a like, you know, this abhorrent thing because of the profanity used. Now, would I have ever run a title like that on an article I wrote? Never. I think the biggest problem that we're seeing right now is that media sites that are struggling, for lack of a better word, are trying to find ways to get people to click. Kotaku's kind of been an expert on getting people to click for a long time doing one specific type of content, which is fine. Whatever. They, they do their own thing. I will never, you know, criticize people for doing their own thing and staying in their lane or whatever, even if I don't agree with it inherently. 
But here's the thing is when you write an article six months before saying that you can't harass mobile phone developers because mobile games are just as good uh, or just as important as regular games, which is a statement I generally agree with, is you shouldn't get harassed for simply doing your job or being called out or whatever the case may be. You can't sit there and say that and then do this. You can't. I think, I think what you're referring to specifically, for those who don't know what's going on, uh, there was an article that came out about, what's that game that Lion was like playing? It's a top-down thing. XCOM. Yeah. Yeah, yeah XCOM had a Mobile article game. that came out where they, I forgot what they said specifically, but it, they were basically just dunking on a mobile XCOM game that came out. Yep, it was. It, uh, but my understanding is it's not even that bad. It's not even bad at all. They just start dunking on it. Yeah, it's it's the same thing as when Kingdom Come Deliverance was announced for the Nintendo Switch. Kotaku's article on it was, "Kingdom Come Deliverance is coming in Nintendo Switch, but who cares?" Was the the title of the article, and they proceeded to go, "This game was terrible. Why would you want to play it on Nintendo Switch?" Was the new article news article, and you know. I have my own opinions about, you know, where you draw the line of being informative in a news piece and where your opinion needs to end. And they're just not doing a good job of diverging those two things. There's delivering news and there's giving opinion. And you need to be able to separate those two things. And I just think currently Kotaku isn't doing a great job at that. And they're just not taking criticism. When you see all the, all the writers just circle the wagons around it and go, well, we can do this because it's fine. It's like, okay, you're missing the point. People are criticizing you and you're just decrying that it's harassment. But when people say this sucks, what you're doing sucks, that's not harassment, that's criticism. When people tell you to go kill yourself and everything else, that's harassment. But everyone's just lumping it all together and going, oh, look, I'm getting all these threats. It's like, yeah, but you're using that to just dance around the fact that you were receiving direct criticism from people and I, I i just don't like it for me personally mm-hmm. well i'll say the, the obvious thing kotaku's been in dire straits since jason schreier left yep i mean the, the whole thing with kotaku in particular is that they thrived on two types of content one was this outrage virtue signaling stuff <laughs> Mm-hmm. that they've been doing and the other one was getting those giant news drops from jason schreier and breaking news mm-hmm. well they lost jason what else are you gonna do yeah <laughs> so they're just doubling down on that because they're like oh well we're gonna justify our existence to our big corporate overlords so there you go and i just i mean they're desperate i mean a lot of the publications are desperate at this point so i'm not at all surprised yeah and and i i i the thing is is it feels hard to sit down and talk about kotaku because it's been a dunking point for years because of their you know their side on certain debates that have happened across the gaming sphere and like there's points where i agree with what goes on at kotaku and there's points that i obviously don't and i just it just doesn't seem healthy where it's at right now because there doesn't there doesn't seem to be like a defining lead idea anymore it's just they're throwing stuff into the ether and seeing what sticks it kind of comes across more like kind of comes across like it's like going from reading your local newspaper to reading the national Enquirer. 
and they're providing mm-hmm. more national inquirers type content than they are providing actual news insight. Yeah. Um, let's see. Can't plug in this computer. But um, no, I I think you're you're spot on about that specifically. They they're just in a position where they can't really do too much, so they're just lashing out and see what kind of attention they can get. Um, I don't know. And also, I think one of the problems too is that a lot of these dedicated gaming sites are now dealing with extra competition mm-hmm. that they weren't planning on. Like, I mean, the fact that again, like we mentioned before, Jason Schreier went for Bloomberg, which no one ever went to Bloomberg at any point in time for gaming news. Nope. So, like I said, hey, they, you had Forbes has been in the race with a while with Paul Tassie's coverage. Uh, you've had a lot of these groups here. They've, they've had these opportunities. Yep. And now they're kind of in a strange spot. So, yeah. anyway. Fun stuff either way. Um, anything else before we move on to the breaking news portion of the video? No, let, let, let's get right into the breaking news. All right. So first off, we have... Uh, we're going to flip a coin. Heads or tails? You want the good news or bad news first? Because you've been gone most of the time. Let, let's do bad news first. <laughs> All right. So this broke last night. The state of California is suing Activision and Blizzard. Um, have you heard about this at all? Like, oh, I, I, I yeah, I, I, uh, I was on a podcast last night. We talked about this, so oh, you oh, def- definitely lead the way. <laughs> all right, so I'm not going to get too much into it because trigger warnings and such. Um, there's quite a bit that happened, and I'm gonna before we even get into this at all, like. People like on like during the 360 era said like used to joke about rape and things like that, but it's not funny. We know survivors of domestic abuse and sexual assault. It, it's not funny at all, and it's not really a joking matter. But we're, we're going to kind of get into this, so I'm going to kind of read some of the things I have here. So, the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing has filed a lawsuit against Activision Blizzard for discrimination. Um, I'm just going to read you some of the complaints that were levied against them, just so you have an idea. Mm-hmm. So what I'm reading to you specifically is from the actual court document. Uh, defendants have also also fostered a pervasive frat boy workplace culture that continues to thrive. In the office, women are subjected to quote-unquote cube crawls in which male employees drink copious amounts of alcohol as they crawl their way through various cubicles in the office and often engage in inappropriate behavior towards female employees. Male employees proudly come into work hungover. They play video games for long periods of time during work while delegating their responsibilities to female employees, engage in banter about sexual encounters, talk openly about female bodies, and joke about rape. Um, And another example, a female employee who worked at Blizzard Entertainment was assigned to a lower level, denied equal pay, and passed over for a promotion despite multiple factors that suggested that she earned it. Uh, for example, like high performance reviews, uh, she generated more revenue in her marketing campaigns, ran twice as many campaigns as her male counterparts, and then she got overlooked um, entirely. Um, 
Another female employee at Blizzard Entertainment was assigned to lower level roles, denied equal pay, and further delayed her passover for promotions to favor male counterparts. Um, and other male supervisors would refuse to communicate with female employees going to their male counterparts for information. Um, those are some of the more, I don't want to say understandable, but like pretty textbook stuff mm-hmm. where like, okay, this is kind of the same. So this is where things started getting get a little crazy. In a tragic example of harassment that defendants are allowed to fester in their offices, a female employee committed suicide while on a company trip due to a sexual relationship that she had been having with her male supervisor. The male supervisor was found by police and have, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the male supervisor was found by police to have brought a butt plug and lubricant on his business trip. Another employee confirmed that the deceased female employee had been suffering from sexual harassment at work prior to her death. Specifically, a holiday party before her death, male co-workers were alleged to pass around pictures of the, of the deceased's vagina. Um, and I'm not going to read some of this other stuff. Um, I will say the part that really pissed me off was they had something called a Cosby suite. Not a joke. They actually called it the Cosby Suite, and people knew what it was for. And it's not funny. It's not okay. And these are crazy to think about. So I'll hand it off to you. I want to get your thoughts on this, Nick. All right. So for I want to preface this first. I am not going to pretend like I was ever a perfect human being. As you said, during the Xbox 360 era, I was just as shitty as a lot of people were during that era. I was also a teenager. We were both terrible people. Yeah. I was also like, to preface that, that was 10 years ago. I was 16 years old. I didn't know it. I should have known better, but I didn't. Um, And now that I'm older, obviously I'm aware that, you know, there's, there's things that aren't funny. There are jokes. You don't, there's lines you don't cross. I work in a construction industry. I've always worked in a construction and labor focused industry. And let me tell you, there is off color stuff said in a workplace environment that is predominantly male. And like my workforce specifically where I work, we office staff is genuinely female and the operation staff is predominantly male, but there's a level of respect that is kept between those two staffs and it's maintained because it has to be. There's a certain level of professionalism that's required at work. If you think jokes are funny or whatever, if you want to be an asshole on your own time in your own home, whatever. I'm not going to try police what people do outside of work. But when you go to work, those are your coworkers. You have to. You spend more time with the people you work with than you do with your family at home. Especially in these game industry jobs when you start talking 60, 70 hour work weeks. This report is probably one of the most sickening things I've read. And not not even just the basis of it's sickening the fact that it happens. It's that, you know, I've got daughters. And I sit there and go, if my daughter was subjected to this kind of behavior in a workplace, what would I do as a father? And, like, how you know, what they have to prepare themselves for in the work. Like this sounds like something straight out of the nineties. 
Like, like when my, like when my dad was in business and stuff in the eighties and nineties, I hear about like screwed up stuff like this all the time, but we have should have progressed as a society past this. And like, this isn't even just like, Oh, someone made a boob joke or, you know, was provocative with someone. Someone killed themselves over the harassment they face at the hands of a supervisor. Like, I don't have words when you have people dying, leaving the industry and exiting and your top CEOs making $40 million bonuses. And I've seen so many people go, well, this is just allegations. It's not true. If you read anything that's come out about Activision Blizzard the past six years, you know, in your heart of hearts, this is true. Yeah. I'll bring up something too. Like, Think about the timeline of this. What just a couple months ago, one of the was it the I can't remember what his name was. But like what are like the like what are the creator creator uh, I think it was Jeff Kaplan. I think mm-hmm. yeah, it was Jeff Kaplan from Overwatch left Blizzard just mm-hmm. a couple months ago. Yep. Which is interesting because he's supposed to be like the, the, the game director for Overwatch 2. And that's not out yet. Yep. Well, it, it's also worth noting too that Jeff Kaplan left on a note of I wish I could have finished Overwatch 2. Yep. And he said there was things outside of his control motivating his departure. I'm not, and I don't want people to jump conclusions that like Jeff Kaplan's like an abuser or anything like that. Maybe he just got tired of the makeup of Blizzard. Maybe he saw things that made him feel uncomfortable, whatever the case may be. I don't want to sit there and point fingers at individuals and everything else. But the point of the matter is, is that, I myself, after the Blitzchung thing, I uninstalled Overwatch. I did my purge of Blizzard stuff then. And Mm -hmm. I was thinking of rebuying Overwatch. And of course the Diablo 2 remaster. Because I, I love Diablo. But now, I'm not buying either. Because until they fix this, I don't want to support them. I don't want to give them money. And I understand the whole argument of, well, if you don't buy the games, it's only the developers that suffer. They need to change something. And you can't tell me this isn't going on. Where is Call of Duty? Where is Blizzard and Activision's game production? That That's what I want to talk about, really. I will say, because they've been building on this case for like three years. Like It's, it's mm-hmm. been a while coming. So... I think a lot of people who wanted to get out got out while they could uh, because they knew stuff was coming. And that's what I believe personally. Mm -hmm. But what I'm more interested in is the timing of this is so perfect. So keep in mind, this case is not going to actually go to court till next year. Normally Mm -hmm. when they start something like this, they got to set a court date and it's normally a year later. Mm Mm-hmm. And like we're gonna set aside like this how serious the allegations are. We're just gonna set aside that for the moment and we're gonna come back to this. And why like this matters industry-wide, because we may see a shakeup in the shooter market. This is I'm gonna I'm gonna start by saying, remember 2016, where Call of Duty showed off their project like in May, mm-hmm. I wanna say, mm-hmm. and that was Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Yep. And everyone was like, this is terrible. How could you do this? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, that's when EA decided we're going to pounce on this opportunity. And they announced Titanfall 2 
and Battlefield One, hit them like hit them with the future, uh, the future setup, and then also hit them with like the past and a throwback. Like they capitalize on that immensely. They they even sacrificed Titanfall Two to try to take market share away from Call of Duty, mm-hmm. and I think it worked a little bit, but not the way they wanted. Mm-hmm. But this is a similar scenario to this right now. Um, it's no secret Call of Duty's in trouble this year. Pretty much every single developer at Activision is working on Call of Duty right now. Um, I think the only ones who are not are Blizzard. They're working on Overwatch 2. And I think they have a smaller team working on Diablo 2's remaster. And then they also have, I think Vicarious Visions moved to Blizzard, I want to say. But like everybody else, even Toys for Bob, the guys who did remastered Spyro and Crash Bandicoot and made a new Crash Bandicoot game are working on Call of Duty. Yep. Like, Call of Duty's in danger this year. We would have had an announcement by now about Call of Duty. Like, we normally get that around, like, late May, early June, like some sort of teaser. We've had nothing. There is nothing going on Call of Duty right now. And we're, we're getting close. They normally launch Call of Duty late late November, or sorry, sorry, late October, early November. They normally launch around that time frame. They're running out of time here. The market's crowding up. Like, people are already moving and shaking around because they're anticipating Halo's release date any moment now. Mm-hmm. Like, it, they are in a scenario where they are running out of space. And I don't think it's outside of the possibility Call of Duty doesn't launch this year. I, I would not be surprised if they skipped the year and just focused on Warzone some more. Just because it's not ready. Um, I think they're in a dangerous position and they don't know what to do. But if you tackle in this case, if they go out and announce Call of Duty after this, like this is what your every comment's gonna be about. Yeah. It's gonna be about like, well, how many women were raped while you made this game? Yep. And it's like, well, what are you gonna do about this? And we, we've seen it with Ubisoft. What they can do. This is this is what we saw with Ubisoft. Every Ubisoft announcement since the allegations against the directors has been if you go into the Ubisoft comments, 90% of their comment section is what are you guys doing about this? Yep. And, and they're stuck. And you know what? Here's the thing. I don't even feel bad. Because we've see, we've heard the horror stories about how Activision treats their employees that make Call of Duty normally. We've heard about, you know, the shakeups at Sledgehammer, the shakeups at Treyarch. You know, there's almost no one from the original founders of either of those studios involved anymore. The, the goddamn guy that created Call of Duty Zombies left like a year and a half ago. Because he mm-hmm. wanted to do something new and said he was tired of the culture. And the thing is, is I think Ubisoft and Activision are playing a really, really, really dangerous game right now of how long can we ignore this? Because I think with Call of Duty, it was, well, we're still getting the product out. People are still buying it. So we're fine. The moment it affects sales, they'll do something about it. Yep. And the one thing I've seen over the past few years, the past few days, or not even days, it's just been 24 hours. It's been a long day, man. Is people going, well, it doesn't matter because people are going to buy it because they buy it. So why should I stop buying it? If everyone that has that mentality actually went through and stopped buying it, 
it would make a dent. Yeah. The thing is, is what we fail at as a society constantly is we constantly get into the, well, the whole herd's moving this way, so I might as well too. No, stand your ground. Don't do that. Just because it's just you not doing it doesn't mean it doesn't matter. It's the same reason, like, I've never bought anything off of Amazon. I don't agree with how they treat their workers. I don't agree with a lot of things that they do. So I make a conscious effort not to buy from Amazon. Yes, I still buy stuff from Walmart. Yes, I still have an iPhone. Yes, I still have all these other things that are created off the backs of, you know, terrible labor conditions. But if there's a way I can still consume products and less contribute to that, it's a good thing to do. So if you have a World of Warcraft subscription, cancel it. If you have a Blizzard game pre-ordered, cancel it. Don't buy Call of Duty this year. Send them the message that this is not okay to treat human beings like this. And I don't care what your mm-hmm. gender, your race, whatever the case may be. No one should be made to feel below anyone else on a core human being basis. Period. End of story. Yep. But here's the other part why I brought this up. So like I said, this court case isn't going to happen until next year. Mm-hmm. But so this year we're going to keep hearing about this in the comments section and it could very well affect sales. But the next year, assuming they actually launch a game this year for Call of Duty and they continue the, the model they've been doing, if the next game that comes out is from Infinity Ward and they will be have been on the full cycle mm-hmm. for them. And I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's Infinity Ward. Is it Infinity Ward? Yeah, it should be. Yeah, it should be Infinity Ward this time. Yep. Because Sledgehammer this time, then it's Infinity Ward next time. And they'll have been on the full cycle. Yeah. But at that point, because we may just, like, people may just ignore, like, oh, well, this Call of Duty was bad, so sales are down, whatever. But by next year, this is going to be in court. They're going to be talking about this. Like Apple versus Apple all over again. Yep. Like, that's what happened. Like, around this time last year, like, (laughs) They um was it yeah it was actually about this time last year they had the epic uh, the epic versus Apple situation, and that went to court like uh, two weeks ago or two weeks ago two months ago, so it's like it's not odd this happens, mm-hmm. but the weirder part is that because that game will be like the oh yeah well the sales were down this year it'll be up this year, if that's the case, every single time they put out an ad, they're gonna have another news story coming out about the uh, development on that court case. And it's going to mar that whole perception of that game. And so it's going to hurt them two years in a row. I, I'll, I'll even go as far as saying, like, they're screwed this year. They didn't reveal. If they had revealed Call of Duty already, I think they would be marginally okay. But they haven't done the reveal yet. The rumor is August is that they're going to showcase the new Call of Duty. If that is indeed the case, and they say the front half of August, so the first two weeks of August, they do a Call of Duty reveal, this is still fresh in everyone's minds. And this isn't this isn't like, and I don't want to sound submissive of victims because everyone's trauma matters, but this isn't going to be like, you know, the Naughty Dog work situation. This isn't going to just go away when the game releases. This is going to be at the forefront of people's minds because we're talking, you know, we're talking suicide. We're talking somebody died. We're talking, you know, what the hell is a cubicle crawl? I've seen a, like really disgusting, like frat boy behavior 
through my life, but a cubicle crawl in a workplace, my manager would fire every single person involved in anything, even just consuming alcohol at work. Like if you have alcohol in your work environment, that is a bad setup for bad things to happen as a general rule of thumb. I work from home. I'm in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's the worst? The worst thing that you can do working from home is sexually harass yourself. So that's on you. Well, I mean, that's not the worst thing that could happen here now. I I, I don't know how to follow this up now. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Frodo. Calm down. Go back to sleep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jesus. But, yeah, no, I think this is horrible. This has uh, affected me in terms of what my buying decisions were um, going forward. And... Uh, Actually, honestly, I was kind of on the fence with Overwatch 2, but with Jeff Kaplan leaving, I was kind of like, I really need to wait and see now on what's going on with this. But yeah, I'm I'm good on Blizzard and Activision right now. And uh, I hope people actually stand by what they say on social media for once. Yeah. Oh, by the way, they are doing sit-ins in World of Warcraft. So, yeah, uh, it doesn't make any sense. So, so hold on, hold on. You... Never mind. I'm not even gonna touch on that because that seems so incredibly stupid to me. But, well, I mean, the idea is like supposedly they've already canceled their subscriptions, but it's one of those things like, well, you already paid for the month, you can still play. Like, it's supposedly that's how it works. I never bothered with World of Warcraft, so I can't verify anything. Yeah, I, but... I, 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 I don't know either. But like I said, I'm gonna. I, make... I, I have a weird mentality when it comes to boycotting things. I think for me. I have two different mentalities. Either one's like a whole cold turkey situation. Like I'm not going to buy it. If I already own it, I'm not going to play it. Um, Mm. I think that's one thing. I think at at the same time, like if you already bought it, you already spent the money. It's already a lost cause. They got the money from you. Yeah. And you're not wasting time on their server. So they're saving money, but they already got the money from you. Yeah. So to me, it's like, I don't think it's wrong to still play the game, but to give them any money, or to advertise for them, I think that's still wrong. Mm-hmm. So, like, as an example, um, if I still played Overwatch, which I still haven't even bought that game, still, <laughs> but I, I thanks to game sharing a thousand times, everyone already has it. So I just, I've been playing it for years. Um, I've never spent money like on buying loot boxes or anything like that. So my whole thing is like, yeah, I can play it, but I'm never going to show gameplay of it. I'm never going to post any screenshots or anything, but I'm not giving it any ad time, but I'm wasting their server space. That's the plan. (laughs) Yeah. I think that is another, that's a softer protest where it's like, you shouldn't be able to like not be able to play something you already spent money on. If you can do it, that's great. Yeah. Like that's clearly the better option, but yeah yeah i agree with you like i don't expect people like don't you don't have to sit there and never play the original diablo again like that game was probably made in a better work environment than they're in now like diablo like the original diablo games were probably made in a more positive workspace who knows but like if you already own it they already have your money enjoy the product as you see fit everything else and i don't begrudge anyone who's openly talking about this and still you know if you buy games whatever I get it. It's it's the it's a whole catch twenty two. Is that you know? I say this all the time. Shitty people can make amazing things, 
And, you know, people like to turn a blind eye when it's something they love. I think Call of Duty is something easy to boycott because so many of us don't play it regularly. It's easy to go, ha! We say that, but there are clearly still a lot of people who play it regularly. Yeah. But but that's why I mean it's like <laughs> it's easy for us to go. We're not buying Call of Duty this year because we don't usually buy Call of Duty this year. Um, but you know things like you know I try to avoid Quantic Dreams games because you know I always thought David Cage was a piece of garbage, and then he keeps proving in a French court that he's a piece of garbage. So <laughs> I'm right. People are wrong. We move on from it. But people will turn a blind eye to that. Like, with all the David Cage stuff, people are like, oh, but Quantic Dreams makes amazing games. I'm like, okay, that's fine. It's the same thing with anyone that sits there and loves Dragon Quest games. It's like, yeah, the composer's a Holocaust denier. Like... There's a death of the artist situation, man. Like, it's, it's an actual concept. Mm-hmm. Um, I first heard about it in... You remember that movie that came out, Ender's Game, a couple years ago? Yeah. Harrison Ford, Us Butterfield. Mm-hmm. Um, that is based on a book called Ender's Game. I don't know if you ever read it. No. Um, yeah. It's a weird book. And it's interesting, but the author is from my hometown. Okay. Uh, if you read the book, he talks about landmarks in this town. I can go there. I know it specifically. I read it a lot in high school. Um, it's a whole series of books, and there's a whole random thing about it. But um, yeah, I, I would read it, and I didn't realize, like, not only is he a Mormon, but he is a staunch, hardcore conservative guy. Mm-hmm. Like, And it's it, to the point where I'm uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But I have to come to terms of, like, okay, the guy's crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he does write good books. <laughs> Well, and and I think that's, I think that's the thing is like, when it comes down to like the, it's, it's going to sound terrible, but if you have a group of 500 people that's all working together, there's going to be at least one person in there that's hiding Nazi paraphernalia, does sexual acts with children, whatever the case may be. There's going to be a terrible person somewhere in that group of people. I don't care what anyone says. I've worked in small groups of people and there's always someone who's the quote unquote problem child. Um, if you can't find out who that is, it's, it's you probably you. <laughs> yeah. But, and that's the thing is like, I think there needs to be distinct lines. There's difference between being eccentric and harming others. Like people yeah. can be radical in their political views. That's fine. Whether you're insanely left, insanely right. I really don't care as long as you're not hurting other people. And that, and that, mm. and at the end of the day, that's what this Blizzard Activision thing's about. People were harmed. People died. We're gonna have to wait to see how this plays out. But the longer this drags out, the uglier this is gonna be. But I'm also gonna say I'm sorry for everyone who's uh, watching us. We didn't uh, coordinate our wardrobe. So we're both two white guys with dark hair. We're wearing black shirts. <laughs> Yeah. We didn't coordinate at all. <laughs> no planning. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, go to the lighter news. Thank God. So, um, Dead Space Remake has been confirmed. It is coming. Um, I'm going to pull up the trailer. I don't think they gave any specifics about it. Um, 
Yeah, they, they just showed like a little trailer. Um, it's gonna be rebuilt from the ground up entirely. Um, this is not a remaster, it is a complete remake. Uh, it's coming from EA Motive. Uh, they do not have a release date at all, uh, but it is coming. So, did you ever play Dead Space, Nick? Yep. I don't know if you ever got into that. Yep. Did that... you play all of them or just any of them? One and two. I've only played two. Uh, I was told two was the best one, and I was like, sure, I'll play it. Um, never got around to one or three. Although I, I started three for a little bit, but I didn't get very far. Uh, I think things came up. I might download three now. It's co-op. So. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'll think about it. I'll think about that. I never played. You haven't played it, so yeah. <laughs> it'd be great. There we go. Content. Um, <laughs> yeah, content. So we'll, uh, we'll talk about that. So yeah, I um, I don't know. I for me, I like Dead Space too. I, I enjoyed it, so I'm excited to play one. Um, I cool. Like uh, they they had good success with the what was it Mass Effect? Yeah. So hey. Why not do Dead Space? It, the question is, is it just Dead Space 1 or all of them? It, 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 probably it, just one. Yeah, it is. It is, I believe, Dead Space 1. It's built from the ground up in Frostbite. Next gen only. Um, here's the thing. I was really critical of when these rumors started circulating around about, you know, another studio taking on Dead Space and redoing it. Because I was like, this feels gross because of how they treated Visceral. And how that whole studio fell apart and the way it fell apart and all the talent that was lost in that studio. But ultimately, EA Motive is an incredibly talented studio. They seem to understand the source material, which is super important when doing these remakes. Is if you can't get the original developers, have people that know and love the source material. Um, and... It sounds great. Next gen only. That sounds exciting. Remade from the ground up. You're saying all the right words. All the right words are being used. And I'm going to wait to see more. It was really cool to see one of the original creators, uh, Glenn Schofield, uh, tweet out that he really enjoyed it. And he thinks EA Motive is going to do an amazing job of remaking Dead Space. So having one of the original creators co-sign it publicly is kind of cool. But Schofield's always kind of been that guy. And I just, yeah, I, I, I like that. I think as much criticism as I've held for EA over the years, I really think they're kind, I don't want to get too optimistic yet, but I think they're starting to come around on things. Yep. Hey, at least they don't rape women. Yeah. Jesus. Hey, I, I that, that's the whole thing, man. I'll, I will say that much like that, that they can literally market themselves. I, yeah. I, how screwed has Sony got to be, by the way? They're stuck with marketing Call of Duty. I never even thought of that. <laughs> oh, God, that's probably a showcase Every piece in their state of play. Yep, and it's going to be like, what the hell's wrong with you, Sony? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I never even thought of that. Ooh. Yeah, no, they they are screwed. I am like I am pouring one eight for the Sony PR team that's gonna have to try and navigate that. 
No, I'll pour one in for you. Damn, I'm just. just... <laughs> Give me a yeah, uh, I don't know. Sorry, uh, as as far as Dead Space goes, though, we'll see more later. It sounds awesome, and if it does the same kind of stuff that like the Resident Evil remakes did, I'm awesome. I'm fine with it. You know, tweak things a bit, change things a bit. You know, make it a little bit new, but still have the formula there. I'm I'm fine with it. I I want to see more, and we will see more. So, you know what sucks? What? Uh, I'm gonna ask you. Crap gamers track record. <laughs> this dude, like two days ago, made a big point saying, "Dead Space will never come. Dead Space is dead. It's never coming back." <laughs> two days later, he's like, "Nah, Dead Space remake." You know. I, I, I'm going to need him to uh, say some things about other series that I need to come back. Like, I need him to say that, you know, uh, Baldur's Gate 3 will never come to consoles. Um, I'm going to need him to say... I, I'll get him a list. I'll get him an alphabetized list. Um, I mean, like, if, 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 like, we talked about this before. If all you did was just come back and say, hey, I'm just going to make a Twitter account where I say the opposite of whatever crap gamer says... You would probably have a seventy percent truth rating. You you would have a guaranteed job. People would believe you and say, "Who's your source?" And it's like, "Well, it's not Crap Gamer." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it. it oh yeah, yeah. Well, people are wrong all the time. It's it just it yeah. happens, unfortunately. Well, you know what they say, like you know, like a broken clock is right twice a day. But I don't know what kind of broken clock he's working with. <laughs> no no even then it would be right like 6 30 <laughs> even then it would be right no it's probably like it's like he's like a digital clock that's stuck at zero <laughs> like just blinking zero it's like it's always gonna be wrong man i just jeez. anyway uh so i believe that leads us to our main topic for the evening yep Nick, you want to kick us off here? Yeah, so, you know, uh, if anyone knows me, I've kind of predominantly talked about this a lot. Uh, a lot of people don't seem to like talking about this a lot, or I'm not sure if they lack the knowledge to, or whatever the case may be. But Tencent uh, decided to uh, flex some financial muscles, and they bought Sumo Digital for $1.3 billion. And all the sub-teams that work under Sumo Digital, Sumo Digital is a massive uh, development company. Uh, that has done, you know, support work on Crackdown 3. Well, they finished development on Crackdown 3. They did uh, the later Little Big Planet games and et cetera, et cetera. They've done a lot of things. I think they even did like Sonic Racing or whatever the case may be. They do a lot of support. They've worked uh, on a ton of franchises. Yeah, they, they, there's not too many franchises that haven't had Sumo Digital as a support team. They're quite common for subcontracting and everything else. Uh, now, they're majority owned by Tencent. Tencent did have investment into uh, Sumo before, but now they majority own. Uh, yeah. So, the thing is, is a lot of people don't know like what Tencent necessarily is because there's two types of presentations that seem to go with Tencent is, Oh, look, it's a big Chinese company that keeps buying stuff weird. And the other, it's the big communist boogeyman 
um, that's coming to ruin Western civilization. And it's a little bit of both, <laughs> to be frank. Um, so Tencent was founded in 1998. Uh, it's, it's basically relies on internet related services and products, including entertainment, AI, and other technology. Um, it's a very, uh, mysterious company. It's very hard to dig up all basically anything in regards to Tencent, basically because of the informational wall that China has put up, uh, they do everything. And why I mean everything, I mean literally in China, they're the search engine, they're the social network, instant messaging, web portals, e-commerce, web browser, antivirus software, uh, music, payment system, film production, video games. Anything that goes into China is published via Tencent. If you want to put your game in China, you have to work in coordination with Tencent. And mm -hmm. ultimately, it feels like an extension of the Chinese government, for lack of a better uh, understanding. It, well, that's literally what it is. That doesn't yeah. just feel like it. It is. Yeah. Uh, the thing is that are this communist, well, the communist group here, uh, the Chinese government owns Tencent, essentially. Mm -hmm. Like, they have loyalties to the Chinese government, first and foremost. Yep. So this is not, like, not a feel situation. This is a definite reality. Mm-hmm. So. so obviously, you know, you could get into the political conversation about China and be here for days, honestly, about rights, wrongs, their indifference. But ultimately, you know, when Tencent buys something, people just kind of shrug their shoulders and go, okay, so what? The problem is, is that they've got their fingers in everything. And why I mean yep. everything, I mean everything people do not realize how much the chinese like tencent netties is another one of these uh chinese uh tech companies that are invested in the video game industry the you know uh, riot games is 100 owned by tencent uh, oh yeah I, I actually got the whole thing like all their actual gaming holdings yeah so yeah they they own 100 of league of legends uh with that they own 40% of Epic. Uh, so they own a chunk of that. Uh, Blue Hole, remember Blue Hole? Mm -hmm. uh, they are like, they own about like 12% roughly, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, they own 5% of Ubisoft, 5% of Activision Blizzard. Uh, Path of Exiles are basically the studio uh, Grinding Gear Games. They own 80% of them, so they own a controlling stake of it. Um, they own 85% uh, of Supercell, the guys who do Clash of Clans mm -hmm. on mobile. Uh, they own a undisclosed amount of Platinum Games. Mm -hmm. So they won't say how much they own, but apparently they own a good enough amount. Uh, Jaeger, uh, Frontier Developments, the guys who do Elite Dangerous, mm -hmm. they own about 9% of them. Uh, Paradox, uh, uh, Funcom, who did Conan Exiles, Shark Mob, um, which is, they haven't really announced the game yet, but all their guys are from, like, The Division and Hitman. Mm -hmm. Like, they haven't done anything yet. And they own a part of Discord. Yep. So, yeah, they, they are everywhere. You know, there's something so, that's I'm... really wrong about the Chinese government owning some uh, part of a social media platform like Discord where so much information travels through 
on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. There's something grimy about that. Um, now the thing is, is we've listed as Ivan. So, you know, basically listed all these developers, publishers and everything else. The general consensus seems to be in the industry is people like Tencent because generally they invest and say hands off. They give you money. They make money. There's no, um, there's no grimy fingers clawing at the beast. Like you're not going to see like, Epic games start only doing mobile games or wherever the case may be. Um, that's one of the reasons why I always laughed when people are like, Oh, Sony's going to acquire Epic. I'm like, you think that 10 cents going to sell 40% of Epic games. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> Good luck with that. Um, my general thought on this is what I don't like about 10 cent is the lack of transparency within the company. Like it, there's so much that's just shrouded in mystery. And I just don't like money coming in from places. You don't know where it comes from. Like Mm -hmm. when you start having a court, like when you start having negotiations where an undisclosed company just walks in and goes, I'll give you 1.3 billion for sumo digital. It's like, was there anyone else even at that table? Like, Okay, 1.3 billion. Like, I will continue to beat the drum that Sony got the deal of a century for Insomniac Games for $276 million or whatever it was. Because, my God, everyone's overpaying right now for for studios and publishers. Yep. Um, Because it's a seller's market right now. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Like... Tencent's just, it's its an intricate topic about, you know, what are we comfortable with of selling off to a foreign entity? Like, it's clear that no American companies are worried about it. You know, Epic gave up 40% of their worth. I'm just, Though that was pre-Fortnite, I believe. So that was trying to stay afloat, yeah. if I remember correctly. I'm sure uh, Tim mm-hmm. Sweeney would love to have that 40% back. Um, oh, yeah. He probably would. But... What about you? Where are you at with Tencent as an overarching whole, so to speak? For me, I don't trust Tencent for a variety of reasons. The number one reason being, yeah, they aren't asking you for you to do anything yet, but eventually they're going to ask you to do something. They're going to call in a favor. Um, There are, because they're owned by the Chinese government, they could potentially do some major damage in intel gathering. And that is a concerning thing to me. I mean, like, okay. Let me put it this way. Let's say, hypothetically speaking, Microsoft was owned by the United States. Mm. And... Microsoft's going around buying a bunch of stuff, investing a bunch of money in different companies, and they have their hands in a ton of stuff. At any point, the United States government could say, hey, we want this information on whatever it is. And because they're owned by them, they're going to have to do it. Mm -hmm. That is my number one concern because it's the exact same scenario over in China. Yep. Where at any point, the Chinese government could say, oh, 
uh, we want information on blankety blank. Like the Chinese government has done some crazy stuff with tech. Like they have a social, they, they've been experimenting with this a, a social media website that gives people a actual social ranking, like in that Black Mirror episode, where they say, "Oh, well, you're favorable or you're unfavorable, and you can or can't do certain things based on what your score is." Like they, that is crazy talk to me, and this comes from big tech. This comes from innovation, from information they learned about other people. And I, I'm i not so much concerned they're going to like do anything outright, but I think it's more long-term problems I'm worried about. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So to bring up some stuff, too, to, to, to kind of back up what you're talking about, about information and everything else. A lot of people forgot about this. I didn't because I almost installed the game. So there's a game that Tencent published. Uh, it was a battle royale. It was called Ring of Elysium. And it was basically a PUBG clone. They gave it to a bunch of streamers, did a bunch of influencer marketing of it to do a big round of influencer marketing. It was a free-to-play game. And about two days after it released, people on Reddit started realizing that the privacy terms and services were really weird. And then it started realizing that it opened up a lot of your private and personal information to be data mined. Um, and it was outsourced to China. So basically, Tencent was stealing user personal information via uh, Ring of Elysium. It was so bad to the point they had to pull the game down and redo the coding on it. Because basically it was a PUBG clone with data mining built into it as the primary function. That was in 2019. And then, of course, the whole, you know, how much is Epic Games funneling back to the Chinese government? Some people say it's misinformation. There's concrete evidence that it wasn't. But there is this big fear with Epic. And, you know, you know, all the how many people have Epic Games accounts for Fortnite? That's a lot of information just sitting in a company that is 40% owned by a Chinese media tech conglomerate that is part of the information choke down in the, in the country of China. It's scary. And the people that just hand wave about it and go, Oh, it's not a big deal. Or if you think this is bad, you're racist. Shut up. Just shut up. I can't, I can't stand this whole discussion being guys says, well, you just think the Chinese are always up to something. It's like, no, it's not Chinese people I have a problem with. It's the government. I don't trust the American government either. I don't trust the government in general. If I could live in a trailer with a tinfoil hat, I would. Um, <laughs> but it's just... the cast trailer park boys. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just my general thing. We give up way too much information in this day and age. And that's using any social media platform. I just think... It's important that we're still invested in ourselves economy wise. Like I don't believe in taking outside investment. I don't care if like if for example tomorrow Israel starts investing in in game companies all over the place. I'm not going to be a fan of that either cuz I don't want government controlled entities entering the entertainment space where you can influence information. That's it. Yeah. Fair enough. So, um, Tencent is a 
odd scenario. Oh, no, no, I'm not going to say that. I want to tell you something stupid I heard. Like, genuinely stupid. Okay, hit me. Someone literally believes that because Tencent bought Sumo Digital, they now own the rights to Crackdown, uh, to Crackdown and to Sackboy. And they're no longer to make games for Microsoft anymore because the Chinese apparently hate Microsoft. But, but the, oh my God. PUBG launched on Xbox. PUBG was funded by the, oh my God. People, people. Uh, the, The lack of understanding of IP rights is incredibly frustrating. Like, Crackdown 3 as an IP is owned by Microsoft. They own the IP. Period. End of story. They had Sumo Digital finish the halfway, three-quarter way done game. And that was it. They don't own the IP. They're... Oh, my God. It's it, it's just not. It, it's not how that works. Produ- oh, like, okay, so did they, didn't they... I thought they, like, scrapped the whole game. Like, did they scrap it and start over? Or... I, I, I don't. What's, what's the situation with Crackdown Three? Like, was they had that guy and he left and took something with them? Crackdown Three. The problem is, is we have piecemeals of the story, right? We've got this story piece, this story piece, and this story piece, and then the in between parts are so disjointed that you can't really get a collective idea of what the hell happened because it was a mixture of Microsoft management changing, management changing on the lead teams. Uh, the game gang handed to a handful of different developers throughout its development cycle. That game would make an amazing documentary at some point to what the hell went on with that. But that is interesting that Tencent keeps buying studios, not necessarily for name brand IPs, but more focused on support studios that have co- connections with other studios. They primarily buy connection studios that put them more in the conversation of what's going on. So, like, my whole thing is, like, what what, what do you think their ultimate strategy is? If you, if you were owned by the Chinese government and you, you're probably spending money on this, what, what would your strategy be? Like, would you want to, like, get involved? Or what, what do you think? I think it's more cutting into it's more cutting into Western money is the problem is, is China's trying to do a big economic social change of what they're trying to do as a country in the next 20 years, like how they supply their power, what kind of vehicles they drive, everything else. They're trying to do a huge infrastructure switch. And for someone who works in infrastructure, infrastructure is great to improve on, but insanely expensive. And for the population size of China, I can't even fathom the amount of money that you would need to bring about these infrastructure changes that they want to make. Um, so if you can tap into Western money without directly getting involved in terms of having to create something or do anything else where you're just investing in things that already make money, it's almost like they're investing in an outside source stock market, basically. Is they're like, we're going to put our money in this because we'll make more money with it invested here than just sitting on it kind of deal. We talked about this last, last week about, you know, investing money versus just having it sit around. And I think for China is they're just trying to expand their revenue streams 
outside. Like, I don't think there's, like, some big ploy by the Chinese government to, like, spread propaganda and everything else. Because, like, if, if they ever tried to do, like, a big propaganda swing, it would just end up looking like bad fallout marketing. And you know I'm right. It would come across like bad fallout marketing. There's no way you could swing Chinese propaganda through a game. The big problem that comes with China, however, is the censorship of ideas. That's the conversation that a lot of people are having. You know, we saw the Taiwanese uh, fighter developers. I can't remember the studio's name. Uh, talked about how they had to change certain aspects of their game to align with uh, what the Chinese government required because they didn't really have a revenue stream outside of China and China kind of dictated what they were allowed to say and how they were allowed to say it. The censorship issue is an issue, but unfortunately when you start talking about censorship in video games, all people talk about is butts. So, yeah. They don't really talk about any ideas at all. That's a interesting thing. I, mean, I would imagine, like, if you were Tencent and you were trying to spread propaganda, you wouldn't really do it so much in terms of, like, ah, uh, yes, Chinese government is the best. Yeah. That kind of thing. It'd be more like, okay, general themes. Like, okay, like, you're playing as a Chinese hero and, like, this in a Chinese town and you're working for the collective, like, in order to save China or save the whole... You keep it vague, and so it creates a, a, a sense of belonging and value within it. So I think that if you were doing that, that would be kind of like the strategy. So, so what you're that. saying is Tencent's eventually going to make a Stardew Valley clone that's about communism. <laughs> it's like, yes, you're, you're a crop yield. We will include this for the, to the People's Republic of China. <laughs> You can keep 10%. <laughs> Actually, you, you know what the stupid thing is? Is I would totally play a communist farm simulator. <laughs> I totally would. It'd be so weird and out there, but... It will, play, it will pay you in vodka. <laughs> Sold. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a, it's a general... But I can't grow crops with vodka. <laughs> Learn to. <laughs> grow more potatoes for more vodka. <laughs> But I don't. Ha I can't even afford the soil. <laughs> Put the vodka in the soil. <laughs> but all those things aside, Tencent's gonna keep buying things, and I think that's why you're gonna see with the purchase of Sumo Digital. I think you're gonna see Microsoft move on IO Interactive a lot faster. I think IO Interactive will be locked down and done before the end of the year. Yep. Because they're not playing in Europe right now and Tencent's buying stuff up really quickly. So I imagine Microsoft's going to expedite that deal and we'll hear about it before the end of the year. Yeah. Like, I was really surprised they didn't announce it at E3. I thought I was surprised about that. Well, I, then I, after a while, it was like, you know, it makes sense. They focused on the games and they had enough games to show where it filled up the whole show. And I was like, fair enough. I get it. Yeah. But I was, I was hoping afterwards there'd be something, but. I, th I think Apparently they'll, not. I think I feel like they'll do an acquisition rollout where they'll be like, we've acquired avalanche IO bada boom, bada bing. Um, yep. I'm interested to see if we see anything after now the flight Sims come to console after the dust shed settles on that, whether or not we hear about a Sobo maybe. Um, Cause those are, those mm -hmm. are the big three for me personally. It's avalanche IO and a Sobo. 
are the ones I'm looking yep. at the most. And I think it's going to be Avalanche, then Asobo, and then IO. And I think they're all going to be done before the end of this year. That might be a little optimistic, but we'll have to wait and see. Yep. Um, I think they're going to go for Moon Studios, personally. I think they're going to do it. All those plus Moon, but... Hmm. You know, you hear things, so see what happens. Absolutely. So, All right, so I guess that leads us into our poll question for the evening, so let's go ahead and get that started. Uh, going off of our discussion here, uh, with Tencent on the prowl, do you think they will jump in the console battle? Uh, option A. Yes, prepare for the tent box. No. <laughs> no. Money is all that matters. Or C. They'll they'll pick a side and we'll see what happens. So, uh, we're gonna post that uh, as soon as the episode goes live tomorrow. Well, this morning <laughs> for you guys. Uh, we're we're recording this pretty late at night at this point, but it's it's cool. So, um, yeah. That might wrap. Take, take us home, Nick. All right. Contra road. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> That's never not going to be a classic to me. The the Kingsman cemented that as a classic song. Honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm out of monster. So that's the end of the podcast. Um, been a great show. We had a great time. Talked about a lot of stuff, heavy stuff, fun stuff, all sorts of stuff. I really hope you guys have been enjoying uh cheat code radio so far. And we always appreciate feedback on what you'd like to see more of, what you wouldn't like to see more of. Um, if it's my face, you're stuck with it. I'm sorry. It is what it is. Um, so if you enjoy us, please do subscribe, thumbs up. You know, we got to fight the algorithm to get out there more. So every like, share, and subscription helps. And we appreciate all of you. I'm currently trying to figure out how to import this to an MP3 format uh, because OBS records weird. So hopefully we'll have something for the MP3 audience, hopefully this week, once I get that figured out. And uh, yeah, we appreciate all the support we got on our first episode. It was great to see. And we hope to see you guys in the coming weeks with episode three next week on Friday. So I'm Nicholas Downey, the assistant editor-in-chief of LordsOfGaming.net. You can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Nicholas underscore Downey. And I hope you guys have a great week. And Ivan, if people want to find you, where can they find you? Well, my name is Ivan Seiler. I'm at, if you're finding me on the gaming platforms, it's Anchorman V2. Uh, but you guys want to find me on Twitter, it's at Multiverse Show. Um, yeah, pretty cool, uh, regular stuff. Uh, for those of you who knows what I've been drinking, uh, it's a local wine called Duplin, called Black River Red. It's a muscadine wine, so... I'm going to sleep good tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. I'm going to sleep well because I'm just tired. But appreciate all you guys for tuning in. And we'll see you guys next Friday morning. We hope you have a great week. And we'll hope for some great big news in the coming days. Bye.